year we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beard well, Good morning, everybody. This is Behind the Beards. And here on Behind the Beards, we pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and try to reveal the things that you need to know going in the hearts and minds of your ministers and ministry leaders. Hmm. Aaron Partlow, a youth minister in Longview, Texas, and I'm Joshua Fowler, preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And what's going on, man? Not much. Oh, Sorry, week. I had to switch the camera. I have to switch you right here because my camera is right here, and I have noticed, <laughs> I've gone back and watched episodes that if you're over here, I spend the whole time like this on the podcast. But if I put you here, then I, I spend more time like this. Hey, uh, speaking of which, if uh, you know, you're looking for back episodes, you can find them on the YouTube page. All the videos are stored there. That's um, right. They are. We're archived on Facebook, and we're in all the uh, major podcast places. So That's Spotify. Right. I had, uh, helped a couple kids podcast. find us on Spotify last night. They were like, you have a podcast, Aaron? And I said, I do. I don't know how you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> we talk about it all the time. <clears throat> but, yeah, we do. We have a... We're on Spotify. We're on the podcast app on iPhone. We are on um, just about any podcast app you can kind of find and think about. It, you can find us there. You can like, subscribe. You can also rate. Rating us on Spotify and the podcast app does wonders for us. Um, I mean, if you just look at our view count right now, it is through the roof. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, it, it talk is about kind of you know that uh, we kind of look at this, and this is just our our, our recording. This is just our recording avenue here it, and so sometimes i look at them like oh man but then i go back and look at the the views later and we do have quite a few to pick up mm -hmm. after the fact either on facebook or on youtube or in the podcast store so we just use this as an opportunity to record and stream in case anyone yeah. wants to come in and shout out live or or do something like that but you never know what's going to get on live right never know never know anything new in uh your world in long view this this week <sighs> that's what's new like I feel like I feel like I go weeks without seeing my teenagers because of our holiday schedule at Pine Tree with not having Wednesday night class and only having, you know, worship because Christmas and New Year's was, you know, both on a Sunday, so we canceled Bible class. And then I uh first of the year we jet off and go to the National Conference of Children's and Youth Ministry. And then I get right back from that, send out a couple emails, hop on a bus, drive into Dallas for Winterfest, uh, and then we come back. So it's like nothing, and then it's like boom, boom, two huge trips. And if you don't know, Lauren and I, uh, I drove Lauren and Sam up to Topeka, Kansas from Gladewater, Texas. It's about a nine, it's about an eight hour drive. We do it in about nine and a half uh, on, a, on a good drive. Not on the way home, we didn't. <laughs> we we took some detours on the way home but on the way up and i dropped them off there we spent a couple days with lauren's parents and then i flew out of kansas city uh, i tell you all this because <clears throat> i have like i got the perfect preacher story from this trip right so at the end of ncym uh, i'm flying back to kansas city uh and so i am i, I land in denver i took a little uh pond hopper is what my aunt would call it uh into denver so i get to denver and i have like 
35 minutes. It's only me. No need to stress. No need to sprint. No need to run. I go to the food court because I've been to Denver so many times, right? And I find the Qdoba. I was like, oh, the line's a little long, but we got time. We got time, right? Um, hey, listen. So anyway, long story short, I get my Qdoba. I get down to the gate, right? I sit down. I double check. I'm like, I've got time. They're all, I was like, I asked the person next to me, I said, what boarding are they on? They're like, two. And I was like, I'm four. I got two boardings. I can eat this burrito. I start chowing into my burrito. I get a text on my phone that says, hey, we're about ready to start promotion of channel. No, we're about ready to start boarding for, or we're going to finish boarding for your flight to Kansas City. At that point, I looked up at the gate and I realized that I had been sitting at the gate that flies to Dallas. <laughs> I'm not flying to Dallas, man. I'm flying to Kansas City because that's where my family is and I'm going to drive them home. So I run up to the gate agent. I throw my burrito, first off, into the bag and I throw the bag into my backpack because I was like, I'm not, this is a good burrito. Like, I'm not going to just like throw this away. Yeah, priorities, right. people. Priorities. And I go up to the gate agent and said, hey, I need to know where this flight is uh, because I've been sitting at the wrong gate. And he said, okay, it's at B, you know, seven or something like that. Like it was like single digits. And I'm at like B57. And I said, would you please call them and tell them that a fat man is about ready to book it to that gate? And he laughs. And I said, no, for real, I'm out. And I just like turned and I started booking it. And I ran until my legs were shaking. Uh, I mean, like it was, it was a pretty far run for a big boy like myself. Uh, and I get there and I'm like heavy breathing and the guy's like, are you okay? What's going on? And I said, I just ran. Oh, you're my runner. And I said, yeah. He's like, we're not closing the door for like another 10 minutes. Like you're fine. He's like, catch your breath. Tell me what's going on. And they all laugh. I tell him my story and everything. And I go and I sit on the plane and I have to take my hoodie off and everything. Cause I'm like sweating. And I feel like that really gross person who sits on a plane. Nobody wants to talk to Cause I'm like, red-faced sweating <laughs> like, sir are you having a panic attack on the plane i don't know it was brutal it was brutal that's fun <clears throat> yeah you know and just everything and then you feel like a moron because you've been yeah. sitting it i mean you're there you got everything done right and then chilling the, right. the vibe was strong i was chilling <laughs> and then i realized oh i'm flying to kansas city which is so weird to me that like I mean, it was crazy. Like, I looked up Dallas on the board, and it, there was a plane leaving to Dallas the same time we're supposed to leave into Kansas City. Yeah. Like that, isn't that crazy? Your mind just gets there. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of get into these little habits, little rhythms. And speaking would... of rhythms, today at the show, we're going to talk about uh, kind of this idea of, you know, how do we start something new uh, at our church? How do we How do we start a new program? How do we reevaluate? How do we look at some of our ministries and say, hey, maybe we need to move on or maybe we need to do something different or maybe uh, or maybe we just you know, need to start something new uh, this morning? Yeah, and I like this question because I think a lot of times when, um, particularly in, in ministry, when you're looking at other, uh, other people that have successfully done some things that you want to do, uh, and you ask questions, all you get is like the end goal. Mm -hmm. Like, well, this is what you want and this is what you need. And like, yeah, 
but how do you get there? Because you didn't get there overnight. And at some point we started from nothing. And, and so all you get is just these, um, kind of, uh, blueprints of how a already established successful and growing ministry should function, Yeah, which doesn't really help me when I'm in the very beginning stages mm -hmm. of, of life of a ministry. I'm, I'm looking, uh, like I look at our churches, our ladies do a great job of, of coming together and doing things together. Sure. Yeah. You know, they've got ladies classes that meet, um, our ladies do like tea. They have ladies night out. Uh, the ladies from all the churches in this area, they all have like a ladies day and they invite each other and these, they go all over the place. And like for guys, it's like, a Prayer breakfast and a work day once a quarter, you know, <laughs> and uh, we kind of got to put those two in because we really just need the work day, but that doesn't feel right. So we kind of throw prayer breakfast in front and right. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get something like that really going. But when I see other people that have it, I'm like, and this is really rewarding to come and be a part of, mm -hmm. um, but trying to figure out how the bones are of getting that started is really, really challenging. Um, and so that's kind of why I really wanted to look at that today because um, it's important to look at those first steps. And I know you were just at NCYM. I was. NCCYM. And uh, got some pretty good resources there. So I wanted to take a take a moment today and kind of dig into those because we need to know. First off, if you are at a church with a children's minister or a youth minister and they are not going to the National Conference of Children's and Youth Ministry, they are doing something wrong. Um, and your church is doing a disservice to itself by not sending them. It is, it is the best conference, in my opinion, for any Church of Christ, or if you're in a denomination, it's open uh, to others, but it is, it is the best conference for you to be able mm -hmm. to go. They have some excellent tracks, um, but really it's the, it's the community uh, that's there, like the community uh, that's there for you to be able to meet and greet um, other children's and youth ministers to sit in a room and to say, hey, like you know you know what i know you felt what i have felt uh and all this kind of stuff so it's been it's been really it was really really good this year um i enjoyed a lot of the classes um a lot of the things that like i went to had to do with leadership uh i went to one of my f uh favorite classes of the week was leading students who lead students right mm, uh, because yeah, sure. talk about like wanting to start new programs here at pine tree i feel like i have been trying to get like the baseline and I feel like once I've gotten the baseline where I've wanted it, that's when I'll start adding some extra oomph and stuff like that. So, you know, student leadership programs are always amazing. And Josh Jones, uh, which we've had on him on the podcast before, taught this class, did an amazing job. I had some super great ideas and some really great um, basic ideas of say, hey, this is a good starting place. You want to start this program, but you don't know what to actually do with your student leaders? Great. Here's what you can do. Here's how you can bring them in uh, and do that. And so, um, like, I uh, I took that, and I took some notes, and I brought that home. And what was really great uh, <clears throat> was that that paired really well with not only with, like, student leaders our students who are leading students, but it paired really well with this volunteer class I went to. Like, how do you search? How do you find? How do you get volunteers? But then what do you do with your volunteers? Uh, kind of a thing. And so 
so many great resources and stuff like that to be able to to bring home and bring back and i can dive into those a little bit more if we want to uh or we can kind of move on but it's it's um i would say the biggest part about ncym that's most important for people is it is a like fire hydrant of information that comes flowing at you <laughs> right yeah right like you could go to ncym and and come home and be like I am a terrible minister. Like, look at all these amazing things that I don't even implicate in my youth ministry. And that would be the biggest lie that you get. That's like, I would say that's the biggest rookie mistake. You know, mm -hmm. um, when I was young in youth ministry, I remember going to conferences and be like, oh man, I got to come home and completely change my ministry. Uh, and I think, I think that's a mistake because what you're doing is working a little bit and you need to come in, you need to digest, you need to pray about it, you need to translate it. I think that's the most important thing to do is because not every program is gonna go A to A for you and so you've gotta translate it into your scenario. Um, and so that, yeah. I think that's really important for us, us to do. And it's good to come back with a fire but like anybody knows, like if you want a good s'more, what do you gotta have? You gotta have good coals, you gotta have good embers, right? It's not about that giant flame that's coming out of the top of your fire. It's about those those coals and those embers at the bottom. So sometimes you gotta let that flame cook a little bit. Josh, <laughs> Josh has lost me. He, he wants me just to leave. That's true, dude. If you want the good s'more, if you want to, if you want to brown your marshmallow, you don't just stick it in the fire because it'll get toasted. You gotta find those coals, and you gotta, you gotta like cook it over the coals. Apparently, Josh doesn't know how to make s'mores. Um, that's just uh, I'm I'm speechless. It's uh, funny. I had never heard. I've, I've heard that about fire because you you do need good coals for a fire, but I don't think I've ever even considered making s'mores that way. Well, I just use the tip of the flame, and yeah, and it doesn't but, it does doesn't cook thoroughly, doesn't cook right. If you want the perfect marshmallow, <laughs> if you want the perfect marshmallow, you cook it over the hot coals. You don't cook it in the flame. That's a oh, Mama Partlow trick. Mama Partlow. All right, hey, you learned something. And she used to tell us all day. the time. We'd start a fire, and she'd be like, "We want to cook marshmallows." She's like, "You gotta wait." I was today years wait. old when I realized the key to perfect s'mores is the coals, not the flame. So that's, that's okay. right. Never too old to learn, right? That's um, hilarious. That moment no, right there. This is right. we gotta clip that and put that on Instagram or something. We, uh, uh, I think, I think it's good to look at like what are what are some of just the basic ingredients that you need if you're going to start something chocolate, marshmallow, not a s'more. Sorry, sorry, we're, sorry, we're moving on, moving on. Dirt. You're a minister, you're a ministry leader, you've been put in charge of the youth ministry, nothing's going on, where do I start? Mm -hmm. um, and you've got some of those resources. One of the things that I really wrestle with is um, clearly communicating mm. um, expectations. Yes. And the reason I think I struggle with clearly communicating those expectations is mm -hmm. because I haven't really defined them for myself. Yeah. And, and for me, there's a couple of things that that keep me from doing that. Number one, I don't want to set expectations because I don't want to be disappointed. That's right. That's a huge um, one. People don't talk the, about that very often. Yeah. And the second thing is, I don't want to go getting my hopes up here if nobody's really going to buy in. 
So I don't want to go doing the work of getting all this set up just for you all to say, nah, I'm kind of out. So I've, I've got to get everything really formulated and decide who is this new ministry targeting? What are the goals that we're going to accomplish? And what are going to be the demands of the people that come in? Mm -hmm. um, if, if I'm thinking about a men's ministry, um, if I just throw this out there, hey, guys, who's interested in starting a men's ministry? How many guys are going to say, yeah, man, me? Not very many, because I don't really know what you're asking. I kind of really want to know, all right, what's the real question? Because if I raise my hand and say, yes, I'm interested, you're going to say, hey, now you volunteered for something. Right. So I want to clearly communicate, hey, guys, I want to get some guys together. We want to meet once a month. And we just want to meet for like three hours on a Saturday morning. We're not going to take a lot of your time. You're still going to be able to do all the things you need to do. You're still going to be able to go watch football. You're still mm -hmm. going to be able to take care of your yard work that you got to get caught up on. You're still going to be able to go do all this stuff. I don't know about so that. Just, oh, <laughs> I got a lot gonna, of yard work. <laughs> just, we just want a couple of hours a month to get together. This is what you can expect. This is what's, what's going to be required of you. And then along the way, we're going to have some other activities that, that you may choose or not choose to participate in. Mm -hmm. And once once you have a clear vision and expectation set, you're a lot more likely to get some some people to really come in and say, yeah, okay, you know, I can do that. Mm -hmm. um, but we kind of want to throw something really vague out there and nobody wants to commit to anything vague. And then we kind of get discouraged. Um, and so then we don't go any further because we don't feel like anybody's interested um, so, you know, first things first, set up uh, a series of expectations for yourself and for other people. Hey, and if, don't be concerned about being disappointed. Don't be concerned about being let down. Um, mm -hmm. You have an idea, put it out there. And it, if it, if it catches on, roll with it, you know, but being clear in that communication. And, and it's like important, like for me. For me, like there's a lot of excitement that I'll do. Like I will bring a new program, like say, um, you know, like, uh, you know, creating a youth committee or something like that and bring that in. Like you can get really excited and, you know, I know how that first meeting is going to happen and go down. I have no idea what's going to happen afterwards kind of a thing, mm -hmm. right? Or what are you going to do with them afterwards kind of a thing. And so I think what I want to take a little bit to talk about is like, how do you translate it into your, into your culture or into your church? Like Joshua, if you go to a, uh, beard hair in your mouth, if you go to Pepperdine lectures or you go to, um, Kerygma mm, at OC, or you go to AC lectures, uh, OC, ACU lectures, or what's mm. the one at Harding? Do you know? Do you remember? I don't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. I've been, I don't know. The conference at Harding. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and you go and, and there's a class and it hits you and you say, I want to bring this back to Goodwood. What does your process look like for you personally? And this is putting you on the spot. I apologize. But um, what is your process of taking a program or something you want to implement at Goodwood? How do you take that and translate that or implant that or transplant that? Or what does it look like for you mentally before you actually set up a meeting, before you actually bring people in? What do you do to walk through, like, will this work in my setting? Um, one of the first things that I have to gauge is, is this something that's just a, 
a temporary new shiny thing for myself, mm. you know, that's just kind of captured my attention. I think about kids on Christmas morning, right? All these mm -hmm. things, all these things they've wanted. Uh, they finally get the toy they want. They play for it for 10 minutes. It goes to the side. Then we go to the candy that's in the stockings. Mm -hmm. You know, and that $200 toy is sitting in the living room floor. And it, it's not that it's ever, not ever come back to, but it's mm -hmm. now it's secondary. Um, I think sometimes new things can be that way for us in church work mm -hmm. uh, because we're always attracted to something that's different, especially if it's different and it's working well in another place. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things I do is I like to come home. I like to uh, kind of put this idea before a couple of the people that I kind mm -hmm. of trust that also have kind say. of engage. Yeah. And just say, what do you think? And, and then just leave it. Because what I've found is myself, if if it's something that God has really put on my heart that needs to transpire in our place or needs right. to in some way be implemented, I'm not going to be able to let that go. Mm -hmm. But if six weeks later, you know, my friend comes back and says, hey, I've been thinking about that. I'm sorry I haven't gotten back to you sooner. And it hasn't even crossed my mind again since. That's that's probably something that was just a nice little shiny thing that captured my attention in the moment. Yeah. Um, but if I have this kind of burning desire in me that's like, hey. Have you thought about it? What do you think? What do you think? We need to talk. Let's go. And it's just this constant presence on my mind and heart. It kind of that kind of helps me learn to engage those first steps of uh, of what may be needed or necessary to kind of move forward. There it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's kind of what I I do. Uh, my very first process is to pray about it. So more spiritual than Josh. Uh, <laughs> point. Uh, no, just plain. Um, my, my first point process for it is is I'll write it down and then I'll, I'll start to think about, I always think about the 2080, right? 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. So I right. try to think about like, if hey, if, if I'm excited about this and I wanna start this or I wanna start doing this, who can I involve to kind of help go through it? And, and then I, I think about that and I pray over that. Like I really pray for that and I spend some good times uh, praying over uh, praying over that and then I'll actually take it to the rest of the ministry staff I usually take it to our preaching minister Jody and I'll say hey what do you think about this um, and and he may say hey that's good or he might say mm, I mean that's cool but that's a lot of work on you you know <laughs> do you have extra time to be able to do all that and I'm like oh yeah yeah that's true yeah 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 or no pff, I can do that I'm still young um, you know kind of an uh, instance but then uh, like I'll start to think about who could fill these cornerstone gaps that are going to make this ministry, you know, who would be most excited about that. Uh, and then like before I announce or even talk to like the church or the youth group or announce it, like I go and I talk to those individual people and I say, would you be willing, you know, is this something that you would be interested in? Let me show you my notes. And I'll let them take it home and chew on it for a little bit. And it may come back and we may say, uh, you know, if there's hesitation, <clears throat> then it goes on the shelf for right now. Like that's that's the big one for me. Like if there's some hesitation, then it goes on the shelf for me right now. Uh, uh, kind of an idea. But, and I think the shelf is an important place. Yeah. You know, just because it's not the right time doesn't mean mm -hmm. it's not the right thing. Um, and the temptation is just to throw it away and say, well, fine. 
um, I'm going to take my ball and, and, and go home and kind well, of a kind of a mentality but the shelf just, is so important because it yeah, also absolutely. teaches us to hear people differently when i was young in ministry if somebody came up to me and said aaron we should start this ministry we need we our youth group could really you know value doing something like this right and i'm using vague terms you know uh, like oh it would be good if our youth group did this young aaron would hear you suck and you're not doing everything that I think you should be doing, right? That's what young Aaron heard. Old Aaron, with these white hairs uh, down here in this beard, old Aaron, Aaron now goes to the shelf and says, dude, I agree. And I have been working on this or been thinking about it. And I pull it off the shelf and I say, mm -hmm. I say, hey, take a look at this. Is this kind of what you're talking about? And would you help co-lead this and go through? go through this said so I can support you I can help uh, and kind of move through this kind of a thing uh, so the shelf is like super important and I legitimately have a shelf in my office that has ideas yeah, for sure I legitimately have that notes app like in your phone with with like ministry ideas and notes and stuff like that for occasions just like that for if somebody because that's not somebody and to me now, that's not somebody coming up and being critical, which I really struggled, and I still do. Like, it's, it's not something I just grew out of. I really struggle with, uh, like, thinking everybody's just being overcritical. And, you know, I've had some overcritical people in my life, and it's left some scars. And so there's a lot of moments of, of praying through that. Um, but, um, you know, saying they're not being overcritical. This is God showing me a volunteer or somebody who might be passionate about this idea. Let's run with it. Yeah, and I, and I like what Stephen was saying about you know, having specific people in mind. I didn't. Say um, you identify gifts that people have, and so as this ministry mm -hmm. is kind of coming into mind, there's somebody specific that comes to mind, and mm -hmm. it's even better if it's one of those people that are. Um, you talk about the 2080 rule, right? You have 20% mm -hmm. of the people doing 80% of the work. Um, what I don't want to do is I don't want to burden those people who are already doing a lot of the work right. with something additional. But there are those people that are kind of on the outside of that circle. Mm -hmm. They're always present. They always show up and they always like, hey, um, can I help you guys with anything? Mm -hmm. Can I help clean up? Can I help tear down? So they're involved, but kind of kind of on the fringe of involvement. Is, is there something here that I can use of their skill set that can pull them in? Mm. So we begin to increase. Now it's the now it's the twenty two seventy eight rule, and now it's the twenty five seventy five rule to begin to just expand the footprint of the people that are really working in these ministries. Um, because the more engaged people are, uh, the more fulfilled their life and the body is mm. going to be, and the more fulfilled that life and the body is going to be, the more outward focus and reaching we're going to be. Just everything ends up so much better. Mm -hmm. um, and and like you said, just put it on the shelf and waiting. And as soon as someone comes and says, "Hey, I had an idea," it's like you know what? That's a. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, take this and look at it. Uh, uh, also, man, it resonates with me when you talked about kind of feeling threatened when someone right. comes in. Uh, that's such an insecure way of thinking, uh, because you know our whole. Our whole purpose in serving the kingdom is to motivate people oh, I um, know. to be invested, you know, 
And then the moment they become invested, we feel a little bit threatened, you know, because we're a little bit insecure. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's hard to not allow, you know, other experiences to shape that. And one of the things I've really tried to, to be a lot more open to is um, embracing that moment when someone steps up to do the job and allows me to take a step back. Right. Um, and to realize that that moment is not me failing. It's actually, you know, a success of ministry that empowers someone to come and do that work. Oh, I know. Um, and that, I know. that's been a, that's been a, such it's, a radical mind shift for me. And we talked about it. Just it's the other day. not easy to get there. No, it's not. It's not easy to get there. And it's an easy place to like get away from too. No. And let me say this. It's not the church that instills this. No. Um, it's not, it's not, um, it's not seminary that instills it. Mm -mm. It is my American mm -hmm. mindset of independence mm -hmm. and empowerment mm -hmm. and, and my own selfish identity. Right. Is what gets me there. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Um, it's, it's my value set that gets mm -hmm. me in that place. And that's what I've been working on changing is understanding mm -hmm. where my value, where my purpose and where my success has come from. These are some of those things, up. you know, you watch that, you watch that video from the skit guys, you know, the chisel. Um, oh yeah. And, yeah. and there's plenty of people who are like sitting in the audience. And I mean, these are like, the, the, these are like the inner chisels that we get to and where he's like, mm -hmm. Oh, but that's going to really hurt. Yeah. Because this is what it truly means to be transformed, to be more like Christ. And, and, and when we are more humble and when we are more self-sacrificing and when we always put other people's needs before ourselves, like it's not easy. And there's a lot of translating again, that kind of has to happen where instead of hearing somebody being over critical, we intend to take some deep breaths. We remember mm. who we serve and we go, okay. Well then, let, let me meet you where you're at. Maybe you have some valid points here. Maybe we can, uh, you know, move with this. Um, and it's man, it's it's not easy. And I say this right now, which means I'm probably going to get an email or a text or something from somebody this week that's going <laughs> to challenge me and push me through this. Um, well, you know, you and I crazy. talked about it last week. You know, where it was, hey man, I got this, um, you know, this list of recommendations, and. You know, you, you made that phone call and I was like, okay, so do you want the guy that's going to like vent with you and like pile on or do you want my real answer? That's right. And you know, uh, I did. I called you and I was like, I need you to talk to me yeah. off a ledge. I need and it all comes down to this very truth, right? It's like, this is, this mm -hmm. is what you have put this program mm -hmm. in place to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The program is working. And so don't be threatened because the program is working. That's right. Um, and so, but, but man, it's, it's such a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. and I think mm -hmm. that's why the clarity of your direction, your expectations is so important. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's important for the people that you're engaging, but it's also important for me because if I have that clearly defined, it gives me something to look back on and go, Oh yeah, this is, this is what I wanted to happen. I forgot. This is why I put this in place in the first mm -hmm. place. This is, this is what. This is the this, need this I recognize this is that's healthy. now being filled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a, I don't know, vision, vision and direction being clearly set, I think is, 
Well, and then holding holding fast, holding true to that as well. Like when the rough rough winds come and stuff like that. I don't even know. Yeah, and we're so no. off course. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are. We aren't. I think I think holding true, and, and here's where it's hard for me to hold fast as well. At the beginning, like I have this idea in my mind, right? I'm gonna do this thing. It's gonna be awesome, and because it's gonna be awesome, and everybody trusts me, it's gonna be so well attended. Mm. Um, and I see my people showing up in big ways for other things. Surely they're going to show up big for mine. Mm. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes mm. it's like four people that show up that first time. Right. And and we've, we've, we've come kind of back around to this a lot of times over the course of our, our podcast here. It's been what, man, we're going on three years, That's 14 years. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, like, it's so easy to overlook a handful of people that are in front of you for like the hundreds that aren't right. Like, how do I go get those? Well, first minister to these four minister to these 10 minister to this one. Um, God's put them here for a reason. The spirit of God has led him into this moment for a reason. Um, and don't step over the people right in front of you to minister to people that aren't in front of you. <laughs> um, and not, not being discouraged maybe by, by kind of a slow start. Sometimes it's those slow starts that give you the information you need to really build something um, meaningful and powerful. Right. And it also it also gives those few people a little bit of ownership in what's going to go forward as you're able to have some more conversation with them about how we can continue to expand. So, um, you know, I say kind of press on and don't be, a, don't be afraid of that small group. And, and figure out how you can use that small group to make something bigger and better. Yeah, remember the coals. Remember to um, remember to translate whatever you're trying to bring and bring it into your. Uh, remember to kind of move slow. I mean, churches move slow, right? Like churches just move slow, and I feel like we try to move uh, sometimes too slow, but but they do move slow, and that's just a fact, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes that's a good thing, um, and sometimes it takes a little bit to get traction. And that's okay. Like sometimes, sometimes new programs don't need to happen. Um, sometimes they do. And, and uh, I think Josh had said something to me off the podcast a while ago. He said, hey, <clears throat> your program doesn't look the way you want it to look like right now. Because you don't have the people involved that um, that need to be involved. But in about two or three years, if you keep up to it, it's going to look the way you want it to because you have trained people to act and be the way you want in that kind of a program. Um, and maybe that was with my student leaders or something like that. Like mm -hmm. your first set of student leaders are not going to be like super great and it's going to be chaotic and you're going to be like, man, we got one thing accomplished, which by the way, Josh Jones, if you listen to this podcast, like your class that you taught on student leaders was fantastic because you were like, mm -hmm. He said something in there. He said, listen, if you're just now starting this, have your student leaders be the ones who show up 30 minutes early on one Wednesday night or one Sunday night or whatever youth program you're, you're doing or whatever. And you just divide your teens up into groups and have those student leaders pray over them. And if that's all your student leaders do, you just had people show up early to pray over your youth group. Right. And I was like, yo, 
That's how you start a student leadership program. You say, this: we're going to start a student leadership program. Sure, you can help me plan events, but your responsibility is once a month, you're going to show up 30 minutes early for said, and we're going to pray over uh, your set group of people you know, in the youth group. And I was like, that's how, that's like the first step. I feel like a lot of times when I go to these classes and stuff like that, it's like, oh yeah, and our student leadership, you know, they, they lead devotionals and they, you know, they plan our entire mission trip to Honduras and you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, man, how do you get there though? How do you get there? And, and so that was like a mind blowing thing for me, uh, was for him to be able to say that and do that. And he said, that translates into your adult leaders too. Uh, he said, just have, uh, this was a different class, but, uh, the guy said, listen, you got somebody who you don't know how to use them. So just tell them, Hey, I want you to show up there 10 minutes before class. I want you to hold the door open for the teenagers and I want you to smile and I want you to say hi and greet them. And I want you to slowly start learning their names and start greeting them by names and give them high fives as they walk in. And each one had needs to have a different high five, right? Everyone. Yeah. 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 Do that. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> hug high five or acknowledgement <laughs> no uh but uh and i was like man those are some great starting places yeah absolutely snoring over there <laughs> um so so think about that think about like when you when you come back if you go if you're a member and you went and visited a church and you're like well they do this program we always have to think about origin stories how did they start? You know, mm -hmm. um, I always think of like um, in Southwest in Ti in Tigard, Oregon. When I was an intern there, um, they had this thing called the breakfast. And while I was there, it was in full spin, you know. And so they had like 350 teenagers who were coming into the church um, to eat breakfast on that morning. And Jeff was like, "It didn't always start this way." He said it started with like four or five kids who would show up. And we'd have a little Bible study and I'd feed them breakfast here at the church because we had a kitchen uh, because they had extra time before school. There was like a weird 45 minute gap from when the buses dropped them off and when school started where kids would just wait around. And I was like, that's how it started. It started with just two or three, that small group. And then it grew into something big, something beautiful, something powerful, um, you know, and ended up feeding, uh, you know, a ton of people who honestly, that could have been their only hot meal for the week. Mm -hmm. kind of a thing um but we have to translate that and bring that in uh into our circle so yeah and or you know origins keeping in mind kind of where those things began is so important i remember uh dustin loved baseball mm -hmm. i coached him in t-ball um they grew up and they went into machine pitch and they were you know nine and ten years old they were live arm pitching pretty good little baseball team and that's when dylan started playing t-ball at four or five and they're like hey you want to coach dylan's team i was like yeah, i'll coach dylan's team and so here i'm going from you know a nine and ten year old back mm. to four and five year old and it kind of hit one of the kids a grounder and he did something and i said hey buddy stay down on the ball and he kind of looked at me like i had just spoken something foreign that's a pretty basic fundamental um but i hadn't realized how much i had even had to teach you know, mm -hmm. Dustin's team at the very beginning and going back to those basics was really hard. So it's like, Oh, right. that's right. Yeah. Like, okay. This is a baseball and this is how you hold a baseball. That's right. You yeah. Know, like, we got to go back to the beginning. Um, bowling, bowling a baseball at kids and letting them drop to their knees or something. 
you know, yeah. where you don't even you don't even hit it with a bat, and it's not even right. going that fast. But because you've got to start somewhere, and you forget to go back to that step, and then you build on those little basics. You teach the fundamentals, and it's not going to be good. I don't want to say it's not going to be good. It's not going to be perfect, mm -hmm. and it's not going to be as you design in the beginning. But these starting points along the way, you're teaching these fundamental things that all you're going to do is build on in the future. Right. Um, and sometimes it's something as simple as just having somebody show up. Like you said, if all else fails, you've got people showing up once a month, 30 minutes early to pray over your teens. Yeah. And who can Old call it a bummer? Failure? What a like, failure. <laughs> like, I don't know. That uh, seems like a pretty major landmark for me. And, and, it's and I so feel like I can easy. really build on that. Right. I feel like yeah. I can build on that. Um, Oh man! You know, and so you know, there's a sermon just, there, right? There is absolutely taking the victories, mm -hmm. taking those little things that are done right. Um, the overall picture is not going to look great in the in yeah. the moment, um, but the long term, long term goal is being accomplished. Um, the other one is you know the, you see those artists that they're throwing this stuff on paper and it's like that I was, looked I was terrible. Just, I was just thinking about that, and and then it's just like a couple of strokes of of a brush or a knife or something, and it's like. Wow. There's that there's that one guy who paints upside down. Oh, right. And then at the end of the sermon, he'll flip it and you're like, it. what? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just, it's really cool. And it takes a lot of patience. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of resolve. It takes a lot of persistence. Um, and uh, so trust your vision. Trust your prayer, okay? Um, pray over it. Yeah, Pray over lot. it. Pray over it. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, trust the fact that you've prayed over it and God hasn't taken it away from you. Mm -hmm. And then just be persistent and, and don't be so quick to give up. Find the little wins and, and continue to build. Yeah. Amen. What's your behind the beards moment today, man? <sighs> my behind the beard. You know my behind the beard moment. Is, and you don't cook a good marshmallow in the flames. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> you cook it over the coals. And there's a lot of great ideas. There's a lot of, you know, we did a, we did a building project at Central and they came in and did one of those personality tests. And uh, I thought they were so, it was like, it was a really dumb version of the way they did it. But it was kind of interesting because they divided people up as elements, you know? So you're like a wind fire or a water, water fire and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And there are some Perfect people who are- conservative Church of Christ. <laughs> right, there are some people who are like fires and it's like you get, you get so burnt on an idea and you're like, oh, I'm going to do it. And you come in like a raging flame. But what happens when you have a raging flame? Well, it burns up all the fuel and then it dies out really fast. Yeah. And so, uh, and so some, so those fires, you know, like you want to use them to really kick off and start your program, but then you got to have winds that come in and, and kind of keep the flame going. Um, so anyway, there's like a whole bunch of metaphoric crap on there or whatever yeah. but I, that's what it makes me think of is, is sometimes i can come back from a conference or i can go visit my kids church right I, I don't have kids that go to a different church but you know what i'm saying like i go visit some mega church that my kids are attending and i come back with the passion because they're like oh they do this college ministry and we need to do this here and i come in with a big flame but there's no groundwork there's no origin yeah. story happening in our church and I get frustrated and I get mad and I'm like, well, we never do anything new. And it's like, dude, it's because you don't roast a marshmallow over the fire. You do it over the coals. So you got to get that origin story. You got to get that base 
going. It's got to cook for a little bit in order for it to be implicated um, and things like that. So, and the truth is, everybody patience. loves an origin story, right? Everyone loves an origin story. I mean, everyone. It doesn't except it for an American Ninja Warrior. Like, just give me the people failing. I don't need everyone's origin story. That's right. <laughs> I always make that joke. That's the number one reason Lauren and I stopped watching that show is because everybody had an origin story. And I'm like, dude, I just want to watch people fall. Like, is there anywhere I can just watch the live feed of people doing this? That's uh, right. We do want to remind you of something that's important to Josh and I, and that's Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Do not grow weary in doing good. Man, this world is messy. This life is messy. So do something different. Do something good in Jesus' name. Don't do it for yourself. No. Do it because Jesus loves you. One of the most powerful children's songs ever to be taught to our children is that Jesus That's loves right. you. It's, it's a hard hitter. So do that. Do something good in his name. Don't grow weary, man. This world is messy, and it needs more Jesus to clean it up. I'm Aaron, and that's Josh, and we'll see you next week on Behind the Beards. Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard